to episode 107 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. I'm your host, Jason Collette, joined again by Eno Saris. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon. Lucky 107. Lucky 107. And before we delve too far into this one, we should mention that the uh, aforementioned weekend episode of this show will become a reality starting this weekend as we welcome Nick Minix to the Fangraphs staff. And Nick has agreed to do the Sunday podcast with myself to give Eno a break, because Lord knows I love to talk. So uh, Nick and I will be doing a Sunday show, the time to be determined, but we, we would like to do it earlier in the day so it can be up Sunday night so you can listen to it and set your lineups and do what you need to do uh, for Monday. So that is happening. We've talked about it a couple of times, but that's why we were waiting to get uh, waiting to get that finalized now that Nick's on board. We have that, so look for that starting on Sunday. A uh, lot to talk about today between ground balls, between injuries, between uh, buying or selling. I uh, wanted to start off today with some notable zeros. I mean, we're to the point now, if you look at plate appearances and look at batters faced, we have enough, we have about, we have about 15 batters that have hit the stabilization point for strikeout rate, and we have about 75 pitchers that have hit the stabilization point for strikeout rate on the on the pitching side. Yet, there are a lot of guys right now with some big zeros out there. These are some of the guys that have yet to hit their first home run this season. Andrew, McC- no, I'm sorry, McCutcheon got his last night, didn't he? I think he did, okay. yeah. Well, the game's still suspended. It hasn't been finalized, so he doesn't have a home run yet. <laughs> doesn't count. Billy Butler, Carlos Santana, Chris Carter, Dan Ugla until last night was on this list. It too. Yeah, man, the second one. That, that was such a fun game. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Eric Hosmer, Chris Davis, Matt Holliday, Will Myers, Prince Fielder, Robinson Cano, Shinsu Chu all have zero home runs at this point. There's only one name that, that worries me. And? Chris Davis. Which and, one? You know, I, li- <laughs> I, I, I liked him. Huh? Which that? one? Because the, 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 the oh. one with the C only has one so far. Right now, the one with the K, you know, I, I I liked him coming into the season, but the 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 bag on him was that he can only hit lefties. Um, I didn't see that in the peripherals, but the fact that he hasn't hit a homer yet, you know, and he, and he sees so many more righties than lefties does. Uh, it's the only name where I sort of pause. I mean, the rest. I mean, I know Fielder's declining, but he's gonna hit. 25 to 30 homers, I think, worst case. Uh, Will Myers, I think, is is sort of an adjustment period. Ugla's in, in decline. We weren't, de- you know, depending on that much from him anyway. I guess the other name that bothers me is Chris Carter uh, because, and that's mostly a plate appearance thing. He's not playing daily. Right. And, you know, I bought him in tout because I thought he'd be have an okay on base percentage and get in there and hit me 25 to 30 homers. But, you know, if they're not going to play him every day, his natural platoon side is he's a lefty. So, I mean, a righty. So he would only play against lefties. Um, and that just makes him very unattractive. Yes. So I guess the two righties on the list um, with the, the most fringe type skills are Carter and Davis. And they're the only ones that really bother me. Here's what stands out to me. McCutcheon, Santana, Encarnacion, Hosmer, Chu, Cano, Fielder, Myers, and Holiday. Those are all top 50 players as far as when they were drafted this year. Every single one of those guys, top 50 draft picks, and each of them has zero home runs so far. Looking at walks, we have three guys now who are still have no walks. And we're getting, the, again, 120 plate appearances until we get to a stabilization point. But we're halfway there with a couple of these guys. Juan Uribe, not a surprise. Melky Cabrera, not a surprise. Dustin Pedroia is a huge surprise. That's what really stood out. When looking at this list, I thought I made a mistake in sorting, but Dustin Pedroia has yet to walk in 2014. Looking at comparing his 2014 numbers to his career numbers, out-of-zone swing rate, career 26%, this season 30%. Swinging in the zone, career 57, 
this season 61. His overall swing rate, 42.4 up to 46%. He's making less contact out of the zone, 83.3 down to 77.4, but he's seeing more pitches, he's seeing the same amount of pitches rather in the zone. We know he's hurt. We know he's dealing with a wrist injury from uh, the opening series against Milwaukee and Fenway, but wrist injuries shouldn't cause you to expand your strike zone like this. What do you think's going on with Pedroia? Yeah, it's weird. You wouldn't think that uh, a physical issue, a wrist issue like that, would affect his plate discipline. So it's a little strange. I don't know what to make of it, actually, at all. And I'll fall back on the fact that it's not quite stable yet. And even if it was stable, his current rate would only tell you 50% of his future rate. Um, That's sort of what stabilization means. Mm So... um, I, I just think that um, uh, I, I just think that I'm not worried. I'm not worried. If I I, I guess I'd be worried about power, uh, considering that he played he played uh, through the thumb injury last year, and I, that was my excuse for the power downage. But now he's got a wrist issue, so maybe now we can start to think about him as a as an injury guy, um, which I think makes a little bit of sense given the way he plays the game and and his stature and stuff. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think that I'm necessarily as worried about the walks as I am about the fact that he's hurt again. Yeah, that's he's really not hitting either. That's just really the strange thing about this is the offensive numbers are down. You look at Boston, I mean, they're five and eight on the season. Part of the reason is he's hitting out of the number two hole as he always does, and he's not getting on base. That's really a part of the struggle. I was just really surprised to see him there. Another surprise would be zero strikeouts. We only have one guy still on this list. With over with at least fifty plate appearances, he was yet to strike out, and that's Andrelton Simmons. Didn't do it. Thought he was going to do it last night. Got real close. Then he hit a home run in that same plate <laughs> appearance. So Andrelton Simmons is still without a strikeout rate this season. Yeah, and you know he has a, a nice sort of uh, linear improvement in that where he struck out eleven percent his, his rookie year, eight percent last year, and his swinging strike rate got better every year. Um, and his swing rates, uh, it's hard to say that something got better because swing rates aren't prescriptive for everybody, but he's reaching less again this year. So um, we're looking at a guy who might be able to pair good power with, um, uh, might be able to pair good power with this extreme contact ability because, I mean, he's, he's, still, he's still showing that power again. So, um, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to, to really push the projections because I don't really believe that he's going to be a base stealer. Um, and even the 17 home runs felt like a little bit of an overreach last year. But, uh, you know, one thing that I am really excited about for him is that he's also not popping the ball up. Yes. So I, I know that probably takes a little bit longer to stabilize, but just even in this short a, a sample, the fact that he's not – you know, hitting 15% of the ball straight up in the air is a huge deal, I think. And because um, yeah, those are basically strikeouts. So he's cut his strikeouts down in two different ways. And so I, I, I'm beginning to think that he might be able to hit 280, 290, 300. Um, you know, to me, I'm, I'm watching the, the, the pop-ups just as much as the strikeouts. So, so if he hits 300 and he hits 15 homers and he stays near the top of the lineup, now you're talking about uh, still not like a top three shortstop or maybe top five. I think probably, you know, top ten at least. Top. I'm, I can't push him up there because he's not going to steal a lot of bases. Right. He doesn't have like extreme power. Yeah, that's where he's going to be. Uh, the other point, the other one to hear is steals. This one really surprised me. These are the guys that have zero steals. Alejandro Daza, Pedroia. Eric Ibar, Ian Desmond, Juan Lagares, who's now on the disabled list, Will Venable, and Mike Trout, who hasn't even attempted a stolen base yet. Uh, yeah, that one. You know, Daza's like a 15 to 20 guy. And a lot of these guys are. Daza, Pedroia, Ibar, Desmond. Those guys are 15 to 20 guys, even Venable. Um, he pushes it sometimes, but I, I think a 15 to 20 guy... You know, you steal. You can steal five in 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 a couple weeks. You know, it's not that hard. Or if you're so, D Gordon, you can steal six in a weekend. 
<laughs> while you're on somebody's bench. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but um, uh, so I'm not as worried about those guys as Trout because Trout, you know, we kind of we we come to love the 30 stolen bases from him. Um, if it's more like 20, that's gonna his value is gonna suffer. He may not be the number one player in fantasy this year, but. Will he still be a top, you know, top twelve, you know, first round guy? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'm not, I'm not too worried about these guys yet. You know, you, you, you mostly you want these guys to steal fifteen or twenty, and I think they can still do that. What I think partly is in play here is Trout has four home runs. All of them have been first inning home runs. So those are opportunities he normally would be on base running, and instead he's just trotting around the bases. Uh, word of caution, if you do hear rumbling on this, it's because it looks like the world's going to end outside my window here in Florida as the, as the uh, Florida thunderstorms have started making their way into play here. So just a word of caution. Uh, lastly, zero runs driven in. We have two guys here. Xander Bogarts, who a lot of people love this year, has yet to drive in a run. But same thing with Carlos Ruiz. A lot of guys like, you know, liked what he did last year. Uh, thought it was a nice bounce back year for him. Carlos Ruiz has opened the season one for 15 with runners in scoring position. He has stranded 30 guys on base. The only run that has scored when he's been at the plate was on a ground ball double play, so he gets no credit for the RBI. That's it. 30 base runners on base. One of them comes in on a double play. Uh, he's off to a really rough start. Yeah, you know, it's a kind of a funny thing between the two of these guys. I mean, one of the things that comes to mind when I think of Ruiz and Bogarts is walk rate. Um, and you got to put the ball in play to get an RBI. Uh, I'm not I'm not yet – well, I guess I would say that I wasn't that big on Ruiz going into the season. He had a kind of a breakout season and then um, got got for, for uh, Greenies. So – you know, it's kind of hard to really project him going forward other than I like him in on-base percentage leagues. And once again, even if he's, he's he's scuffling right now, he's got a 367 on-base percentage. So, um, you know, I don't think you necessarily own Ruiz for RBI. No, <laughs> no, you don't. It's just really strange to see a veteran like that that has zero driven in. <laughs> it's also probably something to do with uh, the lineup around him. Uh, let you know. There's one zero I wanted to add uh, to your list. I didn't see it there. Line drives. Oh, can you, can you guess who has zero line drives? I, I I can guess because I own him. <laughs> who is it? Mike Mustakas. Yeah. It is. I mean, he's not a line drive machine anyway. But the fact that he's hitting you know 50 percent plus of his balls straight up in the air. Um, his fly ball rate's always been Jose Bautista like without without the Jose Bautista power. Uh, I I am pretty worried about him. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit worried about him too. But it's AL only. What else can I do? I mean, I have him, so that's <laughs> yeah. going to be it. Uh, moving over to pitchers, let's look at pitchers that have thrown at least 100 pitches so far. These are the guys that have yet to walk anybody. Wilton Lopez, uh, who's now in the minors because he got blasted the other day, but Tim Hudson. Sean Doolittle, who has inherited some, some saves of, of late. Robbie Erlin, Clay Buckholtz, Chad Bettis, and Carlos Villanueva. All pitchers that have yet to walk somebody this season. Well, that's that's a great thing. Uh, yes, I'm not <laughs> complaining. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Bettis is an interesting name. Uh, he's been he's been uh, batted about. He's been he's, he's, he's not having a great time. Uh, in general, but at least he's not walking guys. True. Here's the other thing that kind of struck me is that yes, it's only been two starts, but these, these are your pitch. These are your starting pitchers. The last two that have yet to allow an earned run this season. You Darvish, not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Chris Young of the Mariners is the other guy. He's really started two people, two times, two games, 119 pitches thrown. Well, he's got two games, but he's got 119 pitches thrown. He's faced 31 batters, Nobody scored. So the first one was a relief, but I'm looking at games pitched. But still, yeah, minimum yeah. 100 pitches. Those are your two guys that have that have yet to allow. There are some other relievers. Hector Rondon uh, being one of note because of Jose Veras' struggles out of the gate. Uh, but that's one of the issues there. And even a guy like Michael Clayto, who's, who's throwing a lot of fastballs, 95 plus, but it's not striking. Uh, he's not striking anybody out. He's got uh, he's walked three and six in the third. He's got four strikeouts, but he's throwing plenty of fastballs. 
Will Smith's also on that list. He's a guy that's getting a lot of work out of the Milwaukee bullpen early. But it's just kind of surprising. Chris Young, I, I, I know we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I said, God, I don't ever want to get that desperate. And I ended up picking him up in Teltworth. And I started him this past weekend. Six no. shutout innings against Oakland. I get no win. I benched Casey Fine to put Young in my lineup. Fine faces one batter, strikes him out, gets the win. I am yeah. I am second ERA in that league. I am fourth in whip, and I am eleventh in wins. Ah, Kill the win. Well, Put quality starts yeah. in play. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what name comes to mind when I think of Chris Young is Jamie Moyer. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a it's a great comp, but it's just something about he's got a little bit of funk to his. He's got that long release point, so. It, you know the ball comes it comes at the hitter a little bit quicker, and uh, he's kind of doing a slow, slower, slowest thing right now, which is Moyer's thing. And you know, good control. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure it's a perfect comp, but it came to mind. Indeed. So that's the zeros. Let's get into the injuries because Lord knows there was plenty of them. Uh, right off the top, Alex Cobb after throwing seven shutout against the Reds hits the disabled list for four to six weeks with a. Uh, Strained oblique muscle. This really, if you watch the highlights of that game, the fir- after he struck out Hamilton in the first inning, you could see him stretching around a little bit. But they let him pitch the seven innings, and then I guess it stiffened up overnight. You wake up Sunday morning, find out he's on the disabled list. Doubling down on the fact that Matt Moore is now officially out for the season, giving the Rays Moore, Cobb, Hellickson on the disabled list, and Alex Colome suspended. Uh, for another 25 games or so. So that's what their their situation looks like. If you're, obviously, if you're Matt Moore, you're in a uh, reset league, dump them. Even if you're in a keeper league, I, I don't think Matt Moore's got value until the second half of next season. And you do you disagree with me at all here? No, I mean, I did just write that piece saying that uh, the team should probably do a, a, a 12-month hard stop you know, uh, before people get into game time. So that would be 12 and a half, 13 months before he was uh, playing in the big leagues. Uh, so you're talking about mid-May next year. Um, I, I just don't – yeah, I'm, I'm struggling because I have him in, in auto new at 14 bucks. It's, I mean, I have him right now at twelve, uh, 11, and he'd be 13 next year. That's just very borderline for me. Uh, if he – he could provide – he could provide some of that back next year, and then he could still be worth $15 the next year. So it's a small enough price that I might keep him around, but I think you're right in general to be wary of him even in Keeper League because, you know, there's also the 30% failure rate right. and uh, on, on, on the surgery, and there's also the fact that he had, doesn't have great control to begin with, and if he loses control, he might not be worth anything next year, which means I have to take the hit this year, the hit next year, just to get some surplus value in uh, 2016. Here's the thing with more of what kind of st- uh, sticks in my craw, if you will. A lot of people, now that he's been hurt, they're like, ah, see the declining velocity. It was all there. There were a lot of signs about why more was a risk coming into this season. A lot. You know, I just had a, a piece that, that posted up in Fangraphs this afternoon before we started recording. But there was a lot of things. I own zero shares of Matt Moore for a reason. You know, there's one of these guys watching him pitch. It frustrates me because he pitches like a, he pitches like a four instead of the two that he should be. And when you look at the piece that I wrote, these are all the areas that Matt Moore has declined in each of the past two seasons. Swings out of the zone, swing percentage, contact out of the zone, contact in the zone, overall contact, pitches in the strike zone, swinging strike rate and first strike rate. Every single one of those got worse. And when you look at the fact, when we look at the fact, you know, if, if a pitcher gets ahead, with throws a first pitch strike, from that point on in that plate appearances, batters hit 226 with a 267 on base percentage and a 345 slugging average. If the pitcher falls behind 1-0 in the count, 256-323-404. So that first pitch strike is worth 30 points in batting average, 56 points in base on base percentage, and 59 points in slugging percentage. And his first pitch, his first pitch strike rate last year was 50%. 
And with the league average is around 58%. He went from 60 to 50 in one season. And this is just a matter when you watch him pitch. It just sometimes the release point comes. Sometimes it goes. Which, what's strange, it's a simple delivery. There's nothing very complicated about Matt Moore's delivery. But he has trouble repeating it. Yeah. And, you know, another thing about it, you know, about this injury that makes me think, it makes me think of Jeff Zimmerman's work on Billy Bean's pitchers. And he's, Billy Bean once said, that he likes strike throwers because they stay healthy. So, you know, Zimmerman went out and, and looked at that, and he did find that that guys with good command stayed healthier longer. And, you know, what what we postulated with that, th- with that research was that this is a proxy for good mechanics. So I guess what I would ask you is, you know, is, is this more bad control a result of bad mechanics? I think it's just bad control. I mean, when you, when you watch the guy pitch – he does. It's just really tough for him to command his fastball. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be his best pitch. Pitch. There's a lot of life to it, but he has trouble commanding it. He'll he'll open up early and leave it up and away arm side. Sometimes he'll overthrow and come inside to it. It's just, and then he falls behind. And when he falls behind, he doesn't have the confidence to say, "Okay, I'm going to throw a two o changeup. I'm going to throw a two o breaking ball." It ends up becoming more fastball. So he ends up as a what I saw in the first two starts this year before he went down. I saw a guy pitching like a rookie instead of a third-year pitcher. I mean, these are the same kind of complaints I was living on Danny Salazar last year. And, but, and that's what I saw from Moore. Falling behind, more fastballs. Getting ahead, okay, now I can throw my other pitches. But this was, it was not a good situation. He really didn't look good until the last six batters he faced this season. Until, and when he, when he finally got hurt there, he was actually looking rather good going into that. And he was finally turning a corner, and then you know, Pop goes the elbow with that. So that, that situation is odd. The Cobb situation, the only thing I can suggest is follow and monitor the Doug Fister situation because Doug Fister is coming back from the exact same thing. Doug Fister just yesterday threw 50 pitches in the bullpen. And here we are. Doug Fister went down with this injury a month ago. He's now throwing 50 pitches in the bullpen, so we'll see where we get with Doug Fister. But six weeks seems to be you know, the, the average stay. Stefania Bell at ESPN said that these obliques average 34 days. I'm looking at this, looking at the calendar. If Alex Cobb is pitching before Memorial Day, I'll be surprised. Well, that's depressing. It is depressing. I own uh, two shares. Yeah, I own a couple of shares. What what do the Rays do now? I mean, um, I guess that means Odorizzi's in for good. And uh, is it any Romero? Well, they got to survive six weeks here uh, until Hellickson gets back and Cobb gets back. So right now it's going to be Bedard and Ramos for at least one more start each. Ramos did not Wait, look so good. Odorizzi's, Odorizzi's was already in as a number five? He was already in. He was already a lot. So, wow. So it's... It's beyond that. It's beyond it's, that. Yes, that's the issue. I mean, they're, they're missing four guys, three injury, one to suspension. Uh, and the depth chart right now, Ramos and Bedard are supposed to get another turn of the rotation. And Ramos did not look good against Cincinnati. Bedard, we know what he is. The next two arms that will be up for the Rays would be Eddie Romero uh, and Nate Carnes. Both of those guys would be next in line. They are back-to-back starters in Durham right now. They had scratched Romero in case they needed him tonight because Odorizzi is the fourth guy in the clubhouse to be battling a flu bug, but it looks like that game's going to be rained out, so that won't be an issue. Uh, but they're going to have to play and mix and match this rotation a little bit. They, they called up Brad Boxberger the other day to add some depth to the bullpen uh, because they've had to leverage the bullpen a lot lately, and they're going to have to do it again with Ramos and Bedard because neither guy is terribly stretched out, uh, so they're not going to be able to work deep in the games. But I would, I would hope that Carnes gets the chance and Romero gets a chance. Romero's done it at the major league level, came up last year and looked decently effective. Carnes struggled with the Nationals uh, when he came up as a starter, but I think those two guys are next and the Rays are just going to have to grind through it for the next six weeks and, and see what they can do. But those are the two guys I would keep an eye on coming up from the minors. Yeah, and you know, given the fact that Ramos is a bit of a kitchen sink reliever guy, if I'm getting that right. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. I mean, he is. He's a guy that absolutely has to pitch ahead. If he falls behind in the count, his numbers are ugly. So, given given that and uh, the given Bedard, um, I am a little bit interested in these guys behind them. Carnes throws hard. It's a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. It's a good fastball. Gets good whiffs. I think his, his curve is his best 
second pitch, and that looks pretty decent. It's a really good curveball. So the change he throws fairly often. Uh, the whiff rate isn't good, but it's a hard, firm change. Um, it goes 86, and his fastball goes 94. So maybe it'll be a, a change for grounders. Hasn't hasn't quite worked out that way, but it's close enough. I think he, he th- he's thrown it enough in his past that it sounds like he, he trusts it. So um, I'm interested in Carnes. I think I'm interested in Carnes a little bit more than Romero just because Romero's command has been pretty bad. Yes, same. I, I, I spent a dollar in fab on Carnes and Tout Wars. The only thing at Tout Wars, you have to put the guy in the week you pick him up. So he's in my he's in my on my pitching staff this week. I'm hoping that you know, the Rays look at him this weekend possibly because he did start Sunday in Durham. So there's a chance that if this game gets rained out tonight, they shuffle some things. Maybe he comes up. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and stash him on my reserve list after this because I have a feeling he's going to come up here sooner rather than later uh, in this situation. Some other things that are in play injuries. A.J. Burnett has a some sort of hernia. It doesn't need surgery until the end of the season, but he's going to pitch through that. So if he's struggling, in, that may be why. That's an issue there. We mentioned earlier, Juan Lagaris is going to disabled list. They're calling up uh, Matt Van Decker is the note I saw. Yeah. So he's coming Van up. Van Decker has uh, got a lot of swing and miss in his game. But, you know, the, the nice thing for fantasy owners is that Lagaris was kind of playing over his head a little bit and isn't really a great fantasy asset. I mean, his best... His best foot forward is defense, and uh, and though that's really fun to watch, I don't really um, think too much about Juan Lagares's, um you know fantasy game. I I, I doubt he's going to hit 300. That comes with a crazy babbit. Strikes out too much. The power is a question mark, and he isn't a great base dealer. So uh, I think the best news out of this is probably that Eric Young is starting every day. I know, and that, and I'm not saying that in a real baseball sense because I think the Mets would best be served by Eric Young being a kind of super sub. But um, in a fantasy sense, Eric Young steals the bases. Yes, absolutely. Uh, more bad closer news. Craig Kimbrell has come up with a sore shoulder. It's why he wasn't available last night in that crazy Atlanta game. He says he'll just need a couple of days and he'll be fine. Koji Uehara, same thing. Sore shoulder popped up on Friday night during long toss before the Yankee game. Has not pitched since. They said he won't be able, he won't need to hit the disabled list. But this is one of the things we talked about during the offseason. We said, you know, he's never put up back-to-back seasons of heavy workloads. And and this is just one of those flags that goes up again with him. So that's an issue there. Hisashi Iwakuma, worth, go ahead. Sorry. You know, what's, for what's worth for both those guys, um, we're talking about a, a decent amount of postseason innings uh, that you have to add, you know, on top of anything. Um, that you're talking about. So, I mean, I guess Kimbrell actually only pitched uh, an inning and a third last postseason. But Wehara pitched more than that. And like you said, it's a, it was a lot of innings. He's a small guy. He's never been known to be a workhorse. And, uh, in fact, when they signed him, the, one of the reasons they thought maybe he couldn't be a closer was um, that he was going to be – that he, he couldn't do back-to-back. So right. Here coming off of 88 innings. His career high before that was 66. Uh, that's a that's a pretty, you know, combined. I'm adding postseasons in here. And that's... Uh, he was close to 90 innings overall. That's a big deal. You know, most people think it's Muika, and Muika did get the save, so that's that's really the... Um, I guess that's the, that's the, the be-all, end-all, is who, who got the actual save. But, you know, I do... There is a lot that I like about Tazawa, and... Mujica has a homeritis, a decent amount of homeritis. Mm-hmm. So, I if Wehara goes on the DL long term, and, and right now it seems like he won't, but if he does go on the DL long term, uh, I would pick up Tazawa even if Mujica's, um, you know, the guy that most people are picking up. Yeah, definitely hedge your bets. So some guys that are on the mend coming back. Jose Reyes should be back this weekend. Finally. Uh, this is when he should have been back in the first place. Really maintained that was poorly managed the way they did that. Iwakuma is throwing bullpen sessions. That's the good news. The bad news is you have to throw any splitters. It's all been fastballs and change-ups. That's going to be the key is when he's throwing that splitter, that's going to really tell us how well that rehab is going. So keep an eye on that. Many much shot. Yeah, and, Go ahead. And, you know, with, uh, with that piece of news, um, when I talked to Brandon League this spring about the splitter and he was telling me about 
you know, when he was first learned it and, and what hurt when he was, when he was learning it, he said his, his fingers, his joint right there Mm -hmm. when he was, because he was forcing the fingers apart and then his forearm. So, um, you know, the fact that Iwakuma is coming back off the, the finger thing and that and he's not throwing that split finger yet, that does say something right now. Yeah, that that con- that concerns me. It's one of the reasons why I traded him anywhere. I I sold him at 80 cents on the dollar this offseason when that news happened. Uh, Manny Machado was finally cleared to run, uh, to run sprints on Monday. So his first time he's run more than just jogging. Uh, he's yet to run the bases, but at least he's running sprints. I mean, this is a case... If uh, once again the player said he was going to be ready by opening day, and here we are two weeks into opening day, and he's just now running sprints. He hadn't even run the bases yet. So never trust the player, trust the team. Player timelines are always garbage. But that's where Manny Machado is. I don't know if we're going to see Manny Machado before Memorial Day. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so uh, the one thing I will say is that the pendulum has swung really hard on this guy, and uh, you know there are people asking me some some very interesting things about who they can trade for him and, and if they should trade for him at all, and there's enough there to like for me, especially given the fact that he has more power upside than he showed last mm-hmm. year. And even if he's not an efficient base dealer, he does look like a kind of guy that will. I, actually, I don't know this, you know, coming off the leg injury, but a handful of steals seems like a possibility still. And uh, you know, the batting average just depends on his infield fly ball rate. So it's not crazy for him to to come and improve that stat either. So uh, I think the pendulum swung too far. And if you can get him for super cheap or just pick him up and stash him in your DL. Like, if you're about to make a move and somebody stops him, I love the idea of taking Manny Machado, putting him on your DL, and then making the move you're going to make. Uh, if you can get him uh, for, you know, a, a bad clo- a bad closer or, you know, a guy like a K-Rod type deal, mm-hmm. I would do that. Um, you know, I'd push it maybe a little bit higher than that, but there is definitely risk that he's out a little bit longer. Indeed. Uh, we mentioned earlier Doug Fister's up to 50 pitches in a bullpen session. Uh, his timeline, it doesn't look like he'll be back before the end of, of, of May, or end of April, rather. Mike Miner is further ahead. Mike Miner threw 60 pitches in a low A game. It went six innings uh, within that, so he may make it back. The last day I saw that he could potentially be back a week from tonight. Uh, so he could be back on April 22nd this- was a date I saw floating around for him. This isn't still about his urethra, is it? No, no, no. This is the shoulder thing now. Oh, okay. This is the shoulder thing now. And lastly, the Yankees, Jeter's missed some time with a sore quad. Brian Roberts is, is missing time with a sore back. No. Yeah, I know. So shocking. Uh, <laughs> that's what's happening. But of note, they they gave a major league contract to Scott Sizemore today. He is now on the major league roster. Scott Sizemore is somebody that can play some second base, somebody that can play some third base. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be in that fold of, of no-name infielders while the veterans get through their injuries. And Scott Sizemore was hitting very well down in the minors in AAA, just as he was last year. So I made it in my my home AL league. I picked him up because I needed another infielder. I was able to put him at middle infield, move Kelly Johnson out to an outfield spot, and bench one of my cold outfielders uh, with that. So I just wanted to point he's, that out. He's not that old. No, he's not I that mean, old. I mean, I guess he's 29, but he's not, you know, some people might think that like, oh, he must be over 30. He's been around forever. But, you know, he's, he's close enough to his peak where I could see him hitting, you know, 240, 250 with, uh, I mean, something that would grade out to like 15 homers over a full season. I mean, he in, in limited time in spring training, he did well down there uh, in, the, in, the, in the Grapefruit League for the Yankees. Looking at last year, yes, it was in – down in the minors this year, 39 plate appearances at 344, had uh, four extra base hits, 16 strikeouts and five walks. That's kind of the same flaws he's always had. And then, you know, obviously he was DFA'd last year by Oakland and, and towards the end of the season, the way things worked for him, uh, barely got playing time because he was hurt. I mean, he had that bad, I forgot the type of injury that he had, but he missed a significant amount of time with it too. Sizemore? Yeah. What did he have go wrong with him? Two ACL, like an ACL tear and then an ACL tear. Oh, the same knee. Right. 
Yeah. That's right. So that that's where the situation is with him. So he's back. Uh, last night in watching baseball, I have a new 22-inch monitor at my work desk, so it's awesome so I can do the quad view. And, and I had two games going on last night uh, at different times, watching Homer Bailey, and uh, then I switched over to Jesse Chavez. And this is two complete different ends of the spectrum. Homer Bailey has now allowed, once they put this game back in, once it becomes official, He's now allowed nine home runs, this, nine, six, six, a lot of home runs. He allowed four in the game that got suspended. Uh, and in all fairness, the wind was blowing in that game very hard, and it was wet. I don't know if he could ever get a good grip on the ball because he was having a tough time commanding his pitches uh, in that contest, and uh, it, it was not a pretty game for him. Did you see any of that? I, You know, I wasn't as... I wasn't uh, – you You have a lot of shares of him, huh? Yep. I was the one saying he's my NL Cy Young candidate that was not named Kershaw. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm I'm conflicted right now as to how to, how to go about this. I, I wasn't as uh, up on him, but the reason that I wasn't as up on him doesn't seem to be a problem. So I am now happy to go get him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would, that's uh, why I wanted to bring him up. Because we look at, here's what he's given up six home runs and 14 innings, including 24 hits, but 17 strikeouts and just five walks. The issue has been, when I watched him pitch last night, really struggled to command the stuff. And again, I think that's a lot to do with whether that, that was a very sloppy game. I'm surprised that it went on as long as it did because it was it was soup. You look at the infield, it was complete mud. The warning track turned into a river, and yet they let that game go through uh, rather than. They could have easily suspended it in the bottom of the fifth once the Reds had taken the lead, but the umpires let it go. They must have dumped 50 bags of that diamond dry crap all over the field trying to make it uh, trying to, to make it playable. But that's what, when I look at this, this reminds me of Rick Porcello last year. Porcello closed April of 2013 with an 884 ERA and a 171 whip. Rest of the season won 12 wins with a 376 ERA and a 123 whip. Homer Bailey's worst baseball is behind him. I offered Dan Heron for Homer Bailey in my home league where I don't have Homer Bailey, and the guy was like, fair offer. I'm going to stick with Homer Bailey, though. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so the reason I was not as down, uh, up on him going into the season, I, I did acquire one share of him, um, was was that I I didn't like the fact that he had this velocity increase later in his career. So he, he jumped up from 92, 92 and a half to 94 last year. And um, I just, you know, I thought it, that was weird given his age. I mean, he's not old, but at 27, 28, that seemed like a weird time to, to get a velocity increase. So I, I expected him to go back down to 92. And, uh, and I expected, therefore, for his homer rate to go back over one. So, you know, in that way, I guess I could say, well, his homer rate is over one, but uh, a four, four per four per nine is, is, is too much. That's, he's not going to do that. And the good news is he's throwing 94. So, uh, he kept his velocity increase. I like that. He kept the boost in, in swing strike rate. I like that. His strikeout rate is great. And, um, you know, even, even the walk rate he has now, there was some concern. Ryan Hannigan is an excellent framer framer. And we, you know, Mesoraco is kind of an, you know, a question mark in, with that, with, in that regard. But even with a 3.1 walk rate or 7% walk rate, he should be fine. So, you know, given his strikeout rate and, and his swinging strike rate. So I'm, I'm willing to, to, to listen to you uh, intently about this, this game. And because, you know, a couple games here or there is a couple home runs is, is will make your line look really terrible. And, um, you know, I think he's always – he's destined to give up – more than a homer for for uh, nine this year, but he's shown that, for example, he had a three six eight ERA and a one two four uh, WHIP when he gave up uh, a homer point one point one five for for nine. So he can have that kind of season again. He can have a twenty twelve season again. Yeah, here's the and, thing. Here's the thing with him: six of his twenty three fly balls have left the yard, including four last night. Again. There were one or two of the, There was a hanging curveball to Starling Marte. I don't care what the wind is. You can't hang a ball like that, and it's going to get hit. There was another center cut fastball 
to Gabby Sanchez. And Gabby Sanchez is not a good hitter against right-handed pitching, but Gabby Sanchez got all of that ball and then some. The other two shots, uh, I forgot who hit them, but they were they were well-struck baseballs. And I really think it was a matter of, of having issues gripping the ball and controlling it because it was just poor conditions. And we're talking about a pitcher now who has an 810 ERA and a 190 whip. <laughs> that's that's where Homer yeah, I mean, Bailey is. And that's not – I mean, again, his final numbers at the end of the season, may his ERA may be 365, maybe 390 at the end of the season. But who cares? If you don't own him, you care what, what he's going to do from here yeah. on out. He's still – I saw him hitting 95 on the gun last night. That's not a problem. He's still striking. He struck out nine guys last night. Nine strikeouts and zero walks, but what they did make contact with, they hit a ton. That's the that's the crazy thing about this. Nine strikeouts, zero walks, ten fly balls, four home runs in that game last night. That to me, that 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 just washed that out. The other two games we talked about the Saint the struggles against St. Louis, that was a problem. I think there's a lot of better baseball ahead for Homer Bailey here. And if if you don't own him, you're you know, pause this podcast, go see who does, see what you can get for him. I tried Dan Heron, that didn't work, but uh, and that's pretty much the only league I don't own Homer Bailey in. You know, uh, what's interesting too is that um, your even the rest of season projections might be your friend because uh, Zips and Steamer have them down for you know three seven five or worse rest of season, and I honestly think he can beat that. I don't know why he wouldn't at ninety four. With that strikeout rate, um, they they're they're projecting him into a fairly high homer rate, I guess. Um, but uh, and also they're also projecting a, a big decrease in strikeouts the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, given what he did last year at ninety four and what he's doing this year at ninety four, I'll take uh, I'll take eight plus eight and a half plus strikeouts per inning, and uh, that has value even if he is at a three seven five ERA. So. I think in this case, there's a lot of reasons to go get them. And, you know, even if they're looking at fan graphs like you are, they might find reasons to trade them away. Yeah, these these are the types of pitchers that you need to be going after in April. This is, we, we mentioned Porcello, we mentioned Marco Estrada and the 10 home runs he gave up last April, and then he only gave up nine the rest of the season. These are the types of guys that you should get. Don't run from them unless we have signs of injury. And the fact that he's hitting 95 doesn't point to any sign of injury. These are the types of guys to go get while they've already had their type of worst outings. On the other end of that spectrum last night was Jesse Chavez, who outside of a, of a, a pitch he left up to Albert Pujols, looked really good. And One of the things that stood out so far with watching Chavez pitch is he's throwing a ton of cutters. It's a, it's a pitch he's fallen in love with. He's throwing a ton of them, uh, not throwing as many fastballs, more going to the cut fastball. And the results are, are rather good for him you look at the number look at his numbers he's fi- he's throwing more strikes at a consistent basis you know, finding the zone at a better at a better rate that's really it you look at everything that's the funny thing and then you see a 22 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio because he's not he's getting he's actually getting fewer swings than he had in his career his swing and miss rate is identical to where it was it, the, the percentage of pitches in play is actually higher this year than it has been historically for him. But this cutter is the first time through the league is working out very well for him. Yeah, and I think uh, what's great about it is that, you know, before pre-cutter, he was uh, – the problem with him uh, was that his fastballs were bad. I mean, if he, you know, not to – you know, here I go with the, the pitch type stuff, but um, – uh, I've got him as having this year having a plus changeup and a uh, plus a plus curve, and the the changeup he's actually keeping the changeup uh, down too in terms of velocity. He he's 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 increased the separation between his changeup and fastball, and his whiff rate has gone up. So now he's got a plus a change and a plus curve mm-hmm. in terms of whiff rates, um, and his sinker is eh, his four seam is bad and his cutter is good so i think that any resources he can push from the four seamer and the sinker and first four seamer in particular to the cutter would uh, would benefit him so I, I like the change i think it makes him a three-pitch pitcher and he can use the cutter as a as a cut fastball 
and uh, and just do fastball change curve, but use the cutter as the as the cut fastball. That makes him uh, that gives him everything I need. He has a rotation spot because even when Griffin uh, Griffin is back, I think Malone is the one who's out, and um, and he's got a great home park. I mean, I really don't know. I guess a ten teamer, you'd probably have to be dropping someone like Estrada or Kuroda. And I don't think I'd go that far, but you know, talking about twelve teamer and lower, I think he's, he's got to be owned by now. Yeah, agreed. And when you look, one of the things that really stands out for him right now is how effective he's been against righties. Coming into this season, his career slash line against righties was two eighty two, three thirty eight, four seventy five, and that was over almost two thousand pitches. This season, one seventy two, one seventy two, three ten. It's been four singles and the home run, the pool holes. That I mentioned, zero walks, nine strikeouts. That's what he's done so far. And this, the, the career strikeout rate against righties was 20%. Now it's 31% so far. And again, it's that it's that recipe. He's throwing 44% cutters to righties, and he's getting it off the. He's getting it mostly towards the towards the low and away corner, and locating that effectively. But right now, this is a change in process. I have my doubts about him even getting to 150 innings this season. We're talking about a guy who has mostly worked in relief, and he's not a big guy. I mean, he's like 6'2", 160 pounds, uh, soaking wet. So I have my doubts of him lasting the season. But I've seen enough in watching him that I'm going to enjoy the ride while I can and see what I can get out of him. Yeah. You know, and what's fun about him, too, is that the other pitchers in, in his staff have long thought this was possible. Uh, I remember talking to Sean Doolittle last year, and Doolittle, I was talking to Doolittle about his slider last year before he's throwing a little bit more this year. And last year he said, well, I, you know, I'm working on it. I don't know if I trust it. I can't make the ball do things like that guy can. And he pointed at Jesse Chavez, and I was like, what? Interesting. <laughs> I didn't say anything because Jesse Chavez was looking at me. <laughs> I said, whoa. <laughs> like, okay. But now that sort of comes back to me now that um, now that he's doing well. I wish I had sort of acted on it then and, and gotten him in everywhere. But I have him in a lot of deep leagues. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, all, I'm all for him. It's, you know, it's kind of when you look at him to see what he did last year. I mean, the strikeout rate the strikeout rate last year was twenty three point four percent, and that was a, a jump up from nineteen point two the previous season. So the strikeout rate was there. You just wondered how it was going to play up as he made the transition from uh, the bullpen into the rotation. But so far, so good. Can't complain about much there at all. So I was looking at righty splits, but yeah, strikeout rate was twenty two percent. There's been twenty four. It's twenty eight six so far. Just you know, really rolling. So we'll see what my only concern right now is the durability issue. Uh, him being stretched out as far and he doesn't look, uh, doesn't look like the type of guy that's going to be able to work deep into a season. Uh, any final thoughts before we call it a show? Well, uh, someone said that they liked the idea of, of ending with a AL only or NL only guys. So, uh, I guess I'm going to, I'll do an AL only. I didn't give you much heads up. So while I'm talking, maybe you can, uh, scramble for an NL only. Um, I'm picking up Anthony Bass and, uh, I, I picked him up in, in AL labor and that was particularly because I had Chad Qualls, but just in general, the, the things I like about Bass right now is that he's, he's come in for a couple saves. They've been in weird situations in the 10th inning or when someone else is blowing something. Um, but what I like about him is that he, uh, he's gotten a, a nice velocity uptick, um, going back to the pen. And, you know, his changeup was never that great. So focusing on the fastball and slider, I think, has been a benefit to him. His command has is, is gotten better in the pen. And he's got the velocity. He doesn't quite have the strikeouts yet. I didn't realize the strikeout rate was so low. But his, his swinging strike rate is decent. Mm-hmm. And I think he has the arsenal to, to, to take this job. So uh, he hasn't quite done it yet. But Chad Qualls, as much as we like him, and I agree with you, I like him, Chad Qualls does not have your typical closer uh, set, you know, in terms of strikeout rate. He's more of a sinker guy. Um, so I could see them going with Bass. So I, I, I'm picking up Bass and AL only. So is, is there a, an NL only name that came to mind? Yeah, I, I also own a share of uh, Matt Albers based on how the slider's playing up this year for him. Uh, NL guy that comes to mind to me is another bullpen guy, Adam Ottavino with the Rockies. 
Adovino's faced 22 guys that struck out 12 of them. Uh, zero walks and uh, three hits in 22 plate appearances. We saw Rex Brothers implode again last night uh, as I forgot who hit the home run off. I forgot who they were facing. Uh, somebody in the Padres just absolutely obliterated the ball. But that's where that issue is. So Adovino's looked really good back there. We, we, we've talked about our concerns with Hawkins. And if Hawkins fades and Brothers isn't looking good, perhaps Ottavino can slide in there. So if he's he's probably somebody because he's just a middle reliever, he may be somebody that's still out there uh, on the, the waiver wire. So that's a guy. If he is claimed, the Phillies have been talking about Ken Giles. You know, he's a guy that's, that's hit 100 in the minor leagues. Uh, so far, is off to a really good start in double-A for them. Their bullpen situation is clearly a mess. If you watched that awesome game last night, uh, Pavel Bonds had, you know, was on the bench because he had pitched three straight games. Uh, Diekman couldn't get the job done. Bastardo hasn't been able to get the job done. If they decide, okay, it's a season, let's bring the kids up. Giles may be a guy that gets a spot in that in that bullpen. So that's just another name to look at as well. Yeah, Giles actually uh, led the Arizona Fall League in spin rate on a slider, which is not something I, I use a lot. I don't really know how to use it, except that it means he's got a, a tight slider. You know, and I and we and he also led the league uh, at times in velocity. So he did pretty, he did fairly well in, in the Arizona Fall League. He seems like he's ready to go. They need a little bit more help. Deekman, uh, Deekman blew up last night, and uh, you know there isn't real obvious. Bastardo is a lefty. You know, someone could come in there and and make some waves. So indeed, uh, I think those are good ones. And and maybe and every week it won't be. It won't always be relievers. <laughs> yeah, it won't we'll always try. be relievers. But that's kind of what's that's kind of what's set up. We also mentioned Scott Sizemore earlier in this podcast. That's right. definitely yeah. somebody to look at uh, as an AL only guy. But we'll we'll try to keep that one up for the for the deep leaguers that that struggled all the way to the end of our podcast. Yeah, you made it. Okay, so again, we there will be a Sunday podcast now. Uh, that will start this coming Sunday with Nick Minix being the uh, the co-host on that one. So this show will now be a three times a week show, Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Sometimes that Thursday show carries into Friday. It really depends on both of our schedules. But the Tuesday and Sunday will be locked in the Thursday most times. And uh, if, if it has to slide into Friday, it has to slide into Friday. But when you're coordinating multiple schedules, sometimes that happens. Uh, thanks for listening to this one, and episode 108 will drop on Sunday night. Thanks for listening. Ooh,